This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. This is season four, episode 29 or 28. It's one of these episodes, upper 20s. <laughs> Brian's cursing me right now. Um, man, this is I- what happens when we record multiple podcasts in like several days. Well, we, we just recorded yesterday with Jason Enderhees, yesterday afternoon. So this is Friday morning. And so I'm just happy it's Friday and I nailed the music. And I'm happy, whatever episode number this is, it's probably 28, but it might be 29. Regardless, thank you for listening. Thanks for joining. We have a good episode today, right? We do. This is with Trifecta Research. Uh, by the way, I should probably tell you, this is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. You can follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research, or IntelliCast1. Please text us. Someone text us. Just say hi, 513 like us and share us on whatever you're listening this to. That would be awesome as well. Um, today we have Trifecta Research, which first off, I was really happy that they told us what why Trifecta meant. I didn't know this. Yeah. Um, trifecta, they kind of are experts in three things. They are really good at secondary research. They obviously do quantitative consumer surveys. That's how I knew them. But they're also subject matter experts, and we talk a lot about that in the podcast, right? Right, as well as their new B2B omnibus alternative, I think is what they called it. Yes. Um, By the way, the people on are Laura Finkelstein. She's a senior VP. And Lynn Edelman, who is a vice president of market research. Um, Lynn lives in Des Moines. Laura lives in New York. They both worked at Trifecta for a few years, but they're very experienced researchers, have seen a lot. They reminded me of my background, and we talk a little bit also about how market research has evolved. So you'll learn a lot about um, their background, what is Trifecta, how has market research evolved, and then we'll kind of get into this interesting omnibus discussion and their little um, solution. It's a B2B alternative, I think focusing on construction and home improvement. Yes, and so um, if you're interested in that, it'd be worth a listen back into the episode. Yeah, I can tell Bonnie's joining us today as well. <laughs> Bonnie's up early today. Sometimes she doesn't get out of bed till 2 or 3 p.m. She's been up bright and early since 9 a.m. this morning, which is really early for her. So she's probably grumpy. That's what you hear, her grumpiness. <laughs> well, cool. Um, let's just go right into the interview. This is Laura Finkelstein and Lynn Edelman of Trifecta Research. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. I'm super excited for our next segment, and we're going to interview a couple people from Trifecta Research. 
First one is Laura Finkelstein. She is a senior vice president of Trifecta. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm great, Brian. Thank you. Really nice to meet you. And I loved your LinkedIn profile. I looked it up, by the way. Um, market research executive providing insights that drive customer experience and product service development. I like that. And also joining us is Lynn Edelman. She is a vice president of market research at Trifecta. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm super excited. Maybe we can start off with kind of your all's background um, at Trifecta or your career. I know that both of you have, or have been in research for a little bit. Sure, I'll start. Uh, well, I've, as you know from my LinkedIn profile, I've worked in market research uh, for quite a few years. I've worked uh, both on the client and the vendor sides, as well as running my own independent consulting firm for roughly two decades. So I've covered a lot of territory over the years. My experience covers both the quantitative and the qualitative side of things. Uh, I've covered, as you can imagine, a wide variety of consumer and B2B topics, including everything from healthcare and beauty and luxury goods on one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum, which is construction and home improvement products and basically everything in between. I'm also a trained moderator, so uh, I do most of the qualitative work here at Trifecta. Right now, I currently, in my current role, I straddle both sides of the the spectrum, the quantitative and the qualitative world. So I manage primary research in both. Got it. i uh, fascinated with your background. I think we might have overlapped at Ipsos. I was at Ipsos about the same time you were, and I also did qual and quant. To have both of those hats... Is really tough. I found that it's challenging for people to do both. So that's awesome. It is a challenge sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then um, Lynn. Sure. Well, like Laura, I've worked in market research for a few decades, um, both on the supplier side and the client side. I've done B2B, B2C, and B2E, uh, having done employee engagement research too. Uh, I, I've done qual and quant and a lot of secondary, in fact, for a a wide variety of verticals. Um, I've also uh, had the chance to lead an analytics team and developing uh, KPI dashboarding using um, internal and external data. And I've also done uh, a lot of text analysis in past jobs, but currently I'm focused primarily on the quantitative primary research. Wow, you- Let Laura handle the qual. You both have such a broad, interesting background. It reminds me of myself, like I- kind of jumped around from role to role. And I was scared that I wasn't an expert in any one kind of discipline. I had done telephone research and qual and quant and in person, and I was in sales. And then after a while, I'm like, what have I done with my career? But I think it it turned out okay. (laughs) Um, But it's similar for you all. (laughs) Yeah. Being a generalist, uh, you, you do get to experience a lot of different types of projects and it really brings in a lot of, of, sort of value to your your clients because you've had so many diverse experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I found that too, but I was scared for years. <laughs> um, so what kind of led you both to Trifecta? You both had been on the client side and um, had a lot of different roles. What brought you to Trifecta? Well, you know, it's funny what you just said about being a generalist. I, I was initially drawn to Trifecta because it's really one of the few organizations that I've ever been involved with that's really allowed me to pursue both the quantitative and the qualitative projects 
um, that I've had a lot of experience with while also stretching my category knowledge in areas where I previously only had really a, a passing familiarity. Um, I did not know a whole lot about the, the home improvement category, as an example, before I uh, started working at Trifecta. And now I pretty close to being an expert in a lot of a lot of these categories because we've done so much work in that in that realm. Um, having worked most recently, after I left Ipsos, I was working for a firm that was very highly specialized and we did sensory research. So coming to Trifecta really presented me with this welcome challenge of being able to cover lots of different categories and different methodologies. So it, it was... Um, it was a good move. <laughs> no, that, that sounds great. I, um, it's interesting you mentioned becoming an expert in categories. And I, I worked on two categories for a lot of my career. I worked on baby care and I worked on men's underwear or boys' underwear. And let me tell you, I was not a hit at parties. I can talk, I mean, who wants to talk about diapers or um, little boys' underwear? Um, but home improvement sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> It can be. It can be very interesting. Yeah, actually, a little more relevant, hopefully, for at least for maybe it is. And Lynn, what about you? What brought yeah. you to Trifecta? Well, uh, my previous two jobs, um, I actually was on the client side, and so I was focused on really specific uh, consumer markets. And I found that I really missed uh, being able to understand and get to know multiple industries, which I had done in my previous job. So, and I also miss B2B. I know a lot of people love B2C, but I, I think B2B is really complex and I, I enjoy that challenge. So um, the other thing is that one of my previous jobs was for a DIY woodworking tool manufacturer. And I found that to be a really great fit with Trifecta because we do have so many clients in the uh, home improvement, building, remodeling, refurbishing space that I've really been able to... Uh, bring that sort of knowledge through to my clients. So that's been really fun. Oh, that's awesome. And for our listeners that maybe don't know about Trifecta, maybe you can tell us more about what Trifecta does and what your approach is. Sure. Well, Trifecta is a boutique research consultancy. We're based out of Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. But we do have tenured staff around the country. As an example, Lynn is based in Des Moines, Iowa. I am based in New York City. We have um, staff all over the place. Uh, so as the name implies, Trifecta 3, there are three main parts of our business. The first piece is the of course, the primary market research, which is what Lynn and I uh, focus our work in. But we also have two other parts of the business, being the secondary research arm. Uh, we have a secondary research team that conducts reviews of published literature, uh, you know, anything in the public realm to um, things that have already been conducted to really leverage and synthesize it into something that's relevant and actionable to our clients to answer the specific questions they have. We do tap into a, a huge variety of sources, uh, and the head of that team is has a degree in library science, and she's she's really amazing when it comes to knowing where to look and how to look. Uh, so we tap into a variety of sources such as academic papers, association publications. Um, corporate reports, conference proceedings, white papers, 
And of course, there's many commercial data aggregators out there that we also subscribe to and tap into. So that's the second piece. The third piece is our strategic consulting arm. And this part of the business taps into, this is where we do kind of deep dives into various categories and, and subjects. We tap into subject matter experts, channel insiders, even futurists to help the companies that we deal with understand their markets, uh, understand their channels that they work in, and understand where the technical, technological and growth opportunities may be for them. So that's, that's the piece of the business that really goes into that deep dive. And we, this involves a lot of in-depth interviewing with, as I said, these subject matter experts. So that's trifecta. Well, that, that's interesting because I think all of the three that you mentioned, the secondary research, the, I guess it's quant, the survey part, and then the subject matter expert all kind of lend itself, right? They help each other. You advise your clients at a higher level than probably most, I would expect. We'd, we pride ourselves on um, not just execution, but really getting to the heart of those insights. So regardless of the methodology that we're using, Really, no matter what we're doing at the end of the day, the goal is to give our clients those kind of implications, those recommendations for their their specific business um, needs and to activate, help them activate the insights to support their strategies. So, yes, we do a lot of consulting in that realm. Yeah, I think think that's necessary. I think clients appreciate that about us. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I don't normally do this in the middle, but I um, you can find more at trifectaresearch.com, um, a lot more information about Trifecta. And I think one of the things that I liked when I looked at your backgrounds, I kind of noticed that both of you were similar to me in terms of like being generalists and had a, a pretty broad career. And you all just went through that. It's fa- it's it's um, fascinating. And I thought maybe we'd have a quick discussion about how market research has evolved. Um over the, I've been in research for gosh, um, twenty five ish years, and um, I think both of you are are senior in your organization. Have been around for a little bit as well, so maybe we can have a conversation about that. From your perspective, how, how has market research evolved in the last, <laughs> I don't know, ten to twenty years or whatever? Pick your time frame. Sure, I'm probably going to go back a little bit farther than that. Um, <laughs> okay, I started with Nielsen back before. Uh, technology really took over. So mm-hmm. um, I have a, a slightly different perspective, but, um, you know, you know, at its core market research, you know, the purpose of it is to help inform decision makers so they can make better decisions and meet client needs. Right. So they, in order to do that, they need their uh, burning questions answered. And back when I started, we just had basically a handful of tools. We had our uh, t- telephone surveys. We had, focus groups that we recruited by phone. Um, And remember, those focus groups were always 10 to 12 people. You know, we never did uh, smaller groups or, hey, the the mall intercept. Now, that was that was innovative at the time. Um, But, you know, still, you know, we we still need to answer those questions. We just need to do it more quickly. And now that we have uh, technology at our fingertips, we've completely changed the number of tools um, that we can tap into. But I think more importantly than just the tools, the sources of the data that we have access to, to to pull those insights. So things like pulse surveys, um, 
agile sprints, uh, virtual shop alongs, ethnography that, you know, doesn't take months, if not years, um, text analysis um, of sort of video uploads from our consumers or our uh, customers that are sort of real time uh, analysis. Um, we can do sentiment analysis of our social media data, as well as, you know, uh, product reviews. Uh, so there's just so many ways to tap into consumer insights now um, that we're not exclusively reliant on just self-reported data, uh, which I think is really exciting, that we can pull together those insights from a um, a broad group of sources and really get that full picture of how we're serving our customers, what their true experience is like, um, and then how our products and services feed into what the role is in creating that experience for our, our customers. I was going to say that that's an amazing answer. And I hadn't really thought about it like that. And, and you know, I'll let you, Laura, before I maybe expand on what she said, I'll let you answer as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely echo Lynn's uh, sentiments here. I mean, the pace of things has exponentially increased and we have so many more tools to work with than we did years ago. And uh, Lynn and I uh, share that experience of, um, you know, back before we had all of this technology um, or at least less of it. So, you know, this also creates expectations because we have so much to choose from and everything works so quickly now that it creates these expectations for faster and faster delivery of results and insights so that our clients can make faster and faster decisions. That's, that's kind of the expectation now, you know, in a similar fashion, the way in which we report these insights has also changed dramatically in my mind uh, compared to years past. You know, the, I, I mean, reporting tools and, and formatting and um, dashboards and interactive um, ways to report data now are, are so much more sophisticated than they ever were in the past. The data not only has to be, of course, accurate and insightful and um you know, well-written and well-executed, but it also has to be presented in a graphically compelling visual format that can really quickly communicate the essence of the information. So things are much more visual than they used to be. Um, you know, the, I, the, there's the old adage, it's, it's much easier to write a long report than a short one. Yes. <laughs> because you really have to think about uh, the words that you use versus the visuals, et cetera, to really, you know, kind of capture the essence. And, and that, I think, is, is much more challenging than it used to be. And this kind of brings us full circle. When you all talked about each of you being generalists and having such a diverse career, as these tools keep getting, um, you know, there's more of them in our tool belt. They're more sophisticated. Um, the use case is very different and very niche at times. I think that, in my opinion, like being a generalist helps you with choosing the correct tool because, you know, like you mentioned, um, Lynn, the telephone interviews, small intercept focus groups, that was 
that was like 80% of our tools that we had available for us back in the early part of my career. Now it's almost unlimited. And there's challenges, especially for those that don't have a broad background of when to choose which tool, right? Um, so I think that's a huge change is the ability to kind of determine based upon the client's objectives, which tool to use. And then you have what Laura, a lot of what she talked about, the pace, which is a factor in what tool you choose, all of the expectations that clients have and faster delivery time and how we display this information. All of this has changed much more sophisticated visuals, what you said. And so I just did a long winded summary of what you all said, but I think being a generalist is such an advantage, right? I, I truly agree with that. Uh, I think that the trick is to not get too enamored with one particular tool and really think about what it is you're trying to accomplish and what the, the client's goal is. Um, and sometimes it, you know, it, your recommendations are going to change based on what their objectives and their goals are. But you, you don't be too quick to um, become fall in love with a specific tool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, and I think that there's a need for somehow for us to create more generalist in research. When I, throughout most of my career, the reason I didn't want to be a generalist is because I saw these people that spent their entire career as an analyst or working in data processing or um, doing coding, right? But now with DIY tools and all this agile research, we I, maybe, maybe you can disagree, but I feel like we need people that are so much well-rounded in terms of um, skill set that you have to have the ability to design a questionnaire and a methodology. And you also need to have the ability to almost like build tables and build a discussion guide. And that's really challenging, right? Yeah, it really is. I think that you you need to be able to picture what you're going to end up with and then back into how it is that you, you know, collect the information, how is it you're going to, uh, to communicate it, how you're going to visualize it. You have to have the end in mind um, at the very beginning of the project. And unless you have that broad experience of that, that, of that generalist, you're not going to be able to do that very efficiently. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right, Lynn. And many times clients don't even have an idea of what that visualization should look at, should look like at the end. So we, as generalists, as researchers, need to, as, as you said, Brian, kind of know enough and have enough in our toolbox uh, of, of methodologies to be able to help them visualize that and, and crystallize their vision. Well, that was good. I could probably talk about this topic all day long, um, but um, in the essence of time, I want to move on to another topic, and that's Omnibus and, you know, we used to not get very many questions in terms of um, requests for an omnibus or who has an omnibus. But I think recently there's really been a, a reinvigoration, if that's a word, for omnibus and those types of solutions making a comeback. Um, is that what you're seeing? I know that you all have an omnibus and you're kind of experts in that area. So is, is that what you're seeing as well? Sure. Uh, we're not necessarily seeing an increase in in demand or desire for the omnibus uh, from a, I say, I guess the upfront standpoint, but what we're seeing is that companies who offer omnibus studies are really innovating in terms of the output um, because we're seeing more and more of these companies offer self-service portals so that their clients can 
uh, gain access to the already visualized results. It used to be you'd only get uh, you know cross tabs, and they were you know not very attractive, um, or you'd just get the raw data. But now you can uh, turn in your um, your five your few questions, and then five days later you get your results to a chart. It's already visualized, um, and then you do in fact all still get those cross tabs. But like I said, we're we're seeing the innovation more on the the back end of the omnibus as opposed to you know the front end, the inputs. Okay, just turning around really fast for decision making with this trend of like agile research, right? Right. Right. Okay. So, and for those that may not be aware, I kind of jumped the gun there. What some people may not even be aware of what an omnibus is. Can Can you define what an omnibus survey is? Sure. It's It's really pretty simple. An omnibus is a survey that a research company um, sends out on a regularly scheduled basis, like once a week, once every two weeks, uh, every three days, wh- whatever it happens to be. And they're sending it to a predefined sample to represent a particular population. Usually, not always, but usually it's uh, representative of the, of the U.S. adult population. So you can pay the company to include up to, say, 10 questions in this omnibus. And um, in theory, it's faster and it's less expensive than a custom study. So you get your results to your very specific questions in a very quick, uh, quick and efficient way, and you get standard demographics. Uh, it can't be anything fancy, but it's a it's a quick way of getting answers to some very basic questions. And it, the it's usually inexpensive because it's kind of almost like shared costs, right? Is that exactly? Right? Yeah, exactly. Your your questions are typically being asked in addition to questions that other clients have put in to the survey. Awesome, thank you. And so. If someone were um, thinking about using Omnibus data or had questions about it, do you have any kind of like really quick best practices or um, high level kind of best practices to advise people? I've seen two areas where people sort of uh, run into issues or challenges when they use Omnibus. And the first is you really need to know who that Omnibus is meant to represent um, because first and foremost, you need to be able to that uh, you need to understand the population to which um, you're trying to you know tap into. So you know, let's say you have uh, a high incidence product like toothpaste or or dish soap or something like that, and you only have a few questions answered. Uh, that then it's a great option. But let's say you have a real niche product or niche as they say on the East Coast, um, the, it's, it, maybe it's a luxury appliance that is built for, you know, high net worth couples. Um, that, trying to find them in an omnibus is probably going to be really inefficient. Um, so that's one area that I think you really need to be careful about. The other thing is important to remember is you need to know how to properly craft a question. Most organizations that offer omnibus uh, want you to submit your questions and then they just run them as is. They might, if, if a question is completely off base, they might try to steer you back on, but they're not set up to really help you make sure that uh, the, the question is written well. For example, you know, we want to make sure that you don't have order bias or social desirability bias built into that question. You want to make sure that it's not leading 
or that it's uh, what they call a double-barreled question. Um, you need somebody who knows how to write those questions. And if you don't do that often and have um, skill in doing that, then um, sometimes you can end up with uh, really unreliable or invalidated results at the back end. Great advice. And I mean, some of those are, you would think they're kind of almost basic market research um, principles, but as we evolve and and the industry takes us to become more generalist, a lot of people, I've seen this a lot, that people don't spend enough time writing the questions and thinking about things like order bias and social desirability bias. So I'm glad that um, we talk about kind of this methodological questions like that because they're so important. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then you recently launched a new Omnibus solution. Can you give us some more details around it? Sure. Well, what we we launched is what we're calling a B2B Omni alternative. Um, To create the benefits of a traditional Omni, but yet um, be more targeted to the B2B audience, Um, specifically in the construction and home improvement um, realm, because we have so many clients that really um, are interested in that area. So um, what we found is that um, even existing B2B omnibus studies are are too general, because most of the time our clients are not looking for just a business owner or even, you know, a head of IT. They're really wanting to get in more specifically. They want to talk to or hear from, you know, designers or architects or drywallers even. electricians, uh, pro painters, you know, these are really um, a value to our our customers, Um, but they're not going to find those in an omnibus. So uh, maybe they also only have just a few questions they want answered. And so they don't want to uh, do a full uh, ad hoc custom study. And they need it done fast because they only have one sprint to uh, you know, fill that knowledge gap in their uh, agile project management schedule. So how we, we've structured it is that our clients send us the questions that they want answered just in very uh, broad terms, real rough format. We'll help them with the wordsmithing so um, they don't have to worry too much about that. Within 24 hours, then we tell, um, we tell them how much it would cost to hit 100 completes per the segment that are relevant. And then we edit those questions so that they are real tight and they're going to get at what they need. Then um, once we get approval on the questions, then we program it, get it in field uh, quickly. And as soon as we hit the quota, then um, we start work on, uh, we download into chart format for each question. So they already have the charts built. It's not, um, you know, just a, a ugly crosstab. And then we also write a two to three page summary of conclusions and implications based on our knowledge of that client. Um, and then, of course, the client does get that record level data, just like they would in, in a traditional uh, omnibus. Um, our goal is to do this in uh, seven to 10 business days so that it can, in fact, fit within that generally two week um, sprint that most of our clients are working on. Uh, but to be real honest, uh, I looked at it yesterday and our, our average is between six to eight business days. So slightly longer than a broad consumer Omni, but way more relevant to uh, our B2B clients. And um, the clients who've used it have been uh, really appreciative about the ability to target those, those, uh, those pros. Um, they appreciate the fact that we're 
crafting the questions for them so they don't have to stress about it. And um, they're also uh, the fact that we've streamlined the process and streamlined the reporting. Uh, it really has put it in a much more affordable category, much more like a traditional omnibus. No, I'm really impressed. I I was unaware of this. And I we get at EMI, we get so many requests for construction and home improvement categories. It's just rampant, especially kind of what's going on in society right now. Um, that I think that really quick insights in this field is just incredible. I think this is um good job in kind of building something like this because I think it's solving a lot of challenges that clients have um, that's really quick and um, certainly relevant in the industry. I'm super impressed. Well, thank you. We listen to our customers and, you know, it's the, <laughs> the core of market research, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to say about um, Trifecta or um, how can people reach you if they have any more questions about this? They can come in through through the website. They can give us a call. Uh, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, any of those ways are, we're available. Okay. Awesome. Well, look, I really appreciate your all's time. I could have talked to you all a lot longer. Um, it's awesome to have two fellow generalists on the podcast um, that have this, such a broad experience. And I'm super excited to kind of do more investigating of your, your um, B2B Omnibus. So thank you all for joining. Great. Thank, thank you. you. Awesome. I, I didn't know Lynn or Laura. Um, They're great. I could have talked to them on how the market research has evolved for a long time. And we, we probably didn't kept the Omnibus discussion a little short. We probably could have gone a couple more minutes, but this episode was already well over 30 minutes. So I kind of cut it short. If you want to know more, reach out to Trifecta Research, right? Right. Yeah. We'll have their, we'll have their website as well as ways to contact Laura and Lynn in the show notes. Awesome. Well, hopefully you all are enjoying the episodes. Enjoying the end of your summer. If you have any topics or guests or any any feedback, we'd love to hear it. And you all have a great week. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.